I don't know. I remember that song. You should really. You down. should be the intro sound to um, the Mark podcasts. It's just Brian. Just you humming. Uh, hey, folks, welcome to another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in public PK-12 education. Today's a big day, because today we are announcing our Connections Across Education podcast series with episodes planned throughout the summer, featuring stories about the importance of relationships in public education from each of our Merck school divisions. There's two things that make this series particularly special. First, it is in connection with our Merck Conference this fall, which also explores the importance of relationships and collaboration in advancing public schools. There's going to be more details on that later. Uh, Second, this is the first time that this podcast will have guest hosts, which I'm so excited about. And today I'm joined by two of my favorite people, Brianna Nomi and Brian Condit, who will be helping to share the stories of our podcast participants this summer and fall. Say hi, Brian and Brianna. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) They're excited, too. Uh, You might recognize Brianna from her appearance on this very podcast last summer with Kurt Stemhagen uh, or from her work with Richmond Teachers for Social Justice. And you might know Brian from his work with Richmond Teacher Residencies. They're heavily involved here in Richmond. Um, because this series is focused on relationships in public education, how important they are, I want to know from each of you about a teacher or educator who made a big impact on your life. Brianna, kick us off. Hey, everybody. Um, so my name is Brianna Nomi, and like David said, I do a lot of work with Richmond Teachers for Social Justice. I taught for Richmond Public Schools for 10 years, and now I am a Ph.D. student at VCU, and I'm really happy to be here. Um, So a teacher or educator who made a really big impact on my life, I remember, and this was not difficult to think about at all, Mm. uh, Mrs. Jamies was my third grade teacher at Columbia Elementary in Annandale, Virginia. Mm. And she was this just larger-than-life human being. She was poised and classy and just elegant. Mm. And I remember she had this amazing posture Um, So as we would walk down the hall, the entire class would kind of pull their shoulders back and try to emulate her, but it was just impossible because she's amazing. I remember her having a really strict classroom. Like she wasn't like the fun teacher, but everything ran like clockwork. Her students felt really safe. You know, it was Northern Virginia, so really diverse student population, and everyone felt included. Um, I also remember what was so impactful was I was a third grader and a real perfectionist. Um, And she did a really nice job of balancing high expectations with the acknowledgement that mistakes were okay Hmm. and to really embrace those as opportunities for learning. And I just, I mean, that still sticks with me today. So yeah, that's good life advice. It was awesome. What third grader notices posture? Every third grader in her class noticed posture. I mean, it was impeccable. Hmm. Like, I can't do it even if I try. I'm trying right now, and I can't Shows do it. Down. No, Brian's not doing it either. <laughs> Nobody can, but Mrs. It was amazing. She was yeah. tall and, like, just, it hmm. was amazing. I hope she's listening. I do, too. Yeah. Do yeah. you hear how awesome you turned out with your great <laughs> posture? Uh, Brian, how about you? Well, hey, guys, I'm Brian. <laughs> um, I'm 
pretty recently moved to Richmond about a year ago mm -hmm. to pursue my master's in teaching through RTR. Excited to be committed to teaching for teaching in Richmond for the next few years at mm -hmm. least. And I think I have so many teachers that have impacted me. Yeah. I was just trying to think back at this. Miss Borgen, my third grade teacher. Mm -hmm. um, big band kid in high school, so I got to shout out my band director, Jeron Ransom. Um, <laughs> Great name. Shout out. Shout, shout out. <laughs> or even um, Dr. Hamill, who's the VCU music theory teacher here, so maybe he's listening to this. Um, but I think the biggest impact for me is the person probably directly responsible for me even sitting here right now is Dr. Tammy Sober, mm. um, who's a recent doctoral graduate at VCU and right now. And she was our secondary coordinator um, through RTR. Um, and I've never met someone so eagerly excited to help me succeed mm -hmm. um, and really made me feel um, included and wanted and so approachable. And I really owe, owe a lot of my success to her. So that's probably the educator that has impacted me the greatest. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's the reason that I know you. Exactly. And yeah. She's the reason why I know you, you guys. She's yeah. big into connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tammy's something special, yeah. for sure. And I could say confidently Tammy's probably going to be listening to this at some point. So. I hope so. Shout out to you, Tammy. <laughs> the awesome person you are and the awesome work that mm -hmm. you do. Um, so, as you know, my name is David Naff. Um, I'm the Assistant Director of Research and Evaluation for America, and I'm super lucky to get to host this podcast. Um, I agree that it's really hard to narrow it down to one teacher or educator um, in your life that made a big impact because there's so many. The person who keeps coming to mind for me, uh, Miss Susan True, my fifth grade teacher at Hardin Park Elementary School in Boone, North Carolina. Um, a big personality, just kind of made everybody feel special and noticed in her classroom. Um, I remember even thinking like, some of the students that would get in trouble in previous years weren't getting in trouble as much anymore. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you're a fifth grader to notice something like that, it's like something's, something's going mm -hmm. on because kids tend to start um, building an identity yeah. around that time around like, oh, I'm, you know, I, this is who I am in school. And so I think it was really formative for her to do that. Um, she always had lots of creative and fun activities that we did in class mm -hmm. that were always stuck with me. Um, one memory of her that really stuck with me. She was doing some cockamamie activity in class as she <laughs> tended to do. And she had left um, a bag in her car that she needed for that activity. And I was kind of like the classroom helper because I was mm -hmm. the teacher's pet my whole life. So surprising. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> um, and so she was like, David, will you run out to my car and get this bag? Um, so you could bring it back in and we could do this activity. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so she gave me her keys and I was super excited, found her car, went in there and got this bag that was in the trunk of her car and brought it in. It was really heavy. And I remember <laughs> thinking like, this is a weird thing to ask a fifth grade to ask to carry something so mm -hmm. heavy. And I brought it back into the classroom and it was her climbing gear. So she was an avid rock climber, her and her husband. And so it was not the right bag <laughs> that she needed for the activity. But she dropped whatever we were doing and just did a whole lesson on climbing, rock climbing oh and what gosh. all the gear meant. And it Aww. was it was cool because, like, I was a self-conscious kid, so it could have been a really embarrassing moment. To yeah. like, oh, David screwed it up. But, no, she made a huge deal out of, like, Aww. oh, this is exactly what I wanted and made a, a whole lesson out of that. So Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Miss True, if you're listening, <laughs> you, you did awesome work, um, and I appreciate you. What I think is kind of cool is, um, so, Brianna, your teacher was in the third grade. Mm -hmm. I was in the fifth grade. Here we are yeah. in our, you know. Older than mm -hmm. that. I they, know. They stick with you. It's they pretty great. They absolutely do. 
So we have tons of stories like that that we're going to share today. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit later on about a, a recorder that we have set up on our website that you at home could record your own story about an educator that meant a lot to you. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Brianna, why don't you help frame this for us? Why are relationships so important in public education? Wow, that's an easy question. Um, well, for me, relationships aren't only important, but they're really the foundation of public education. They get at the heart of the public nature of public education um, and the way that we learn to exist with others in public spaces. So as teachers, we build relationships with our students, their parents, um, the community, our colleagues. And we do so because, you know, generally it's human nature to do that, but also because people thrive when they connect with someone, when they have shared understandings, and when they've established trust. Um, mm. So part of building a relationship is allowing yourself to be a little bit you know, vulnerable, and therefore trust is really important. Parents every day send their children to us as teachers, trusting us to love them as our own. Mm. And students trust their teachers to help them grow, and we trust our students to do their best in return. So all of this is really dependent upon making connections and building relationships. Yeah, especially this day and age when teenagers have three Instagram accounts. Right. <laughs> teachers are their, like, face-to-face -face outlet sometimes yeah. to really help them process what they're going through, and those relationships are priceless. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you work in public education, I, um, I only get to do it for four years, but I was always really struck by um, – how intimately you get to know your students and your and the families, so like yeah. their parents, like you were saying, Bree, like they're mm -hmm. they're trusting you with the the most yeah. important thing in their world, and how you um you also end up seeing people at their most vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? Because education is a big deal, and um, sometimes some hard things that are happening in your life come out at school, right? And mm -hmm. so you get to kind of intercept that and and be that sounding board. And um, you you guys work with a lot of teachers too. You you mm -hmm. have worked as a teacher, but you also work with a lot of teachers. I imagine this is your experience, too, where I feel like I never talk to a teacher where they don't at some point talk about the importance of relationships. <laughs> totally. Like that's the groundwork of what they do. And I wonder how much we're able to um, really prioritize that in education and how we're maybe introducing a little bit too mm -hmm. much noise into the process that we distract from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the relationships are what keep teachers going. I mean, I know when I was leaving, I felt so much guilt because right. of students, because of my teachers, because of those relationships. Yeah. It wasn't you know, the job. Yeah. It was the people. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm Brian, yeah. you were at community this morning because you got yeah. yeah. I had to say goodbye. All the people. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and from the research side, there's tons of ways that relationships are conceptualized in mm -hmm. the literature on this. Like you see um, emotional engagement. So if I feel like I'm connected with the school, I'm more likely to come every day. I'm going to sure. attend more. Um, having a sense of belonging is connected with a lot of different things. We're going to hear a lot of themes related to belonging in our conversation today and across these episodes this summer. Um, and even things like being intrinsically motivated. So like self-determination, mm -hmm. a big component of that, according to that theory, is that you have to have you know competence that you feel like you can do something, autonomy to feel like you chose to do something, mm -hmm. but also relatedness. And people mm -hmm. could overlook that, right? So like I would have students all the time that would be capable of doing honors level classes um, and that we worked at it where it would be like it's their choice to, to join it but none of their friends were taking that class mm. it's like yeah. right. they're not doing it and then they're not right. on the academic trajectory that they probably should be on because they didn't feel like they belong there so that's something right. we could probably work to build a little bit okay mm -hmm. so we have a whole podcast series that's committed to this idea about mm -hmm. the importance of, re of relationships Brian what's the purpose of this podcast series mm -hmm. Walk us through it. Okay, so titled Connections Across Education. So, i.e., 
we're going to be talking about those connections um, and really trying to showcase and celebrate the stories of relationships mm-hmm. um, in the metropolitan Richmond area. Like Brianna said, those connections are what drives public education, for better or worse. And we really wanted to illustrate how those relationships make the experience of going to school better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Everyone wants to go to school and feel like they belong there and they can relate to why they're being there and yeah. really be um, driven to achieve something that they may not have been able to achieve without mm-hmm. making that connection. How did we choose our stories? Uh, it was a process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we Luckily, we, we have our own connections that we've made oh, good one. across the school divisions. <laughs> and so we reached out to um, people in each division and they nominated um, a few participants or potential participants and we kind of came together, reviewed some stories, and really tried to pull pull together a diverse group um, to make sure we're highlighting not only different backgrounds but also different um, age levels mm-hmm. and um, circumstances, yep. making sure we're really creating a good picture. We really wanted to give a, a good overview of what is all happening. I think this whole process really it just reaffirmed what awesome things are happening in the districts, the things that often aren't celebrated or put on the news, the Mm -hmm. things we don't hear about. Mm -hmm. Um, These are, you know, the the things that are happening in schools every day. And Mm -hmm. it's just what an opportunity to be able to celebrate some of those relationships and some of those successes. Let's just treat, you know. Yeah. 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 It's the important stuff. Yeah. There's a a ton of good news happening in public schools Mm -hmm. um, here in Metropolitan Richmond for sure. And I think that your point's really important, Brian, about how we initially made contacts is that we already have connections in the Mm -hmm. school divisions. And that's uh, all the way from like superintendents to teachers to Mm -hmm. other students that are in these schools that were able to make these connections and to try to get their input on things. Um, It's one of the, the core the five core principles of Merck is, you know, building relationships, building that sense of trust. Um, and there were so many awesome stories that were out there. It was really hard to, <laughs> yeah. to yes. land on something. I mean, as we talk about the stories today, I think it'll be clear why we selected who we yeah. did. But this could be a weekly podcast if we really want <laughs> to make it. Um, so for this podcast series, we currently have 12 participants selected. So that's two from each of our divisions so far. Um, it's a student and educator from each division. We're eager to introduce them to you now. So we're going to share some mm-hmm. of their stories. Um, I'm going to get us kicked off, actually, while I'm on a roll here with Powhatan County Public Schools. Got Angel Rather and Christian Miller. Uh, so Angel is a rising 12th grade student at Powhatan High School. So going in to senior year, which is very exciting for her. Uh, she came into Powhatan in the 10th grade from Amelia County, so she started off as a freshman in Amelia and came to Powhatan after that. Mr. Miller uh, teaches Spanish at the school. Angel is an aspiring first-generation college student, um, meaning neither of her parents have graduated from a four-year college. She'd be the mm-hmm. first in her family to do that. Um, she's also a racial minority student in a predominantly white school and county. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not the only student on the podcast that's having that experience, but that's part of who she is. She said she eventually wants to go to George Mason University or Virginia Commonwealth University. Awesome places, possibly mm-hmm. to study political science. Okay. Um, she knows she eventually wants to work in human rights advocacy. Um, in terms of being a first-generation college student, she says that she believes that she can help start a trend in my family wow. um, by being the first to graduate from a four-year college, which is pretty awesome. So here's a cool background for her. She never actually had Mr. Miller as a teacher. Uh, So she was introduced to him by another Spanish teacher in the school. She was taking Spanish, found out that 
the Spanish teacher found out that she had shared interests with Mr. Miller, who was doing some other advocacy work, introduced them, and they helped start a chapter of the Diverse Hands at Work Club at Powhatan High School. Angel's the president of this club. Mr. Miller is one of the faculty sponsors, um, and she was saying that, quote, it took a village to create the club. She's the president, but everyone puts an equal effort, which is totally a testament to her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's got a big personality. She's very enthusiastic. She's clearly a motivator. She's a good kind of natural leader, but she wants to make sure that other people are included. Um, The purpose of the club, they do a lot of things, but they help raise awareness of issues related to diversity in the school. They hosted a Black History Month assembly for the school. They currently have 25 to 30 participants um, this year in its first year, but she says that she wants more next year. And she was telling me that. I was like, 25 to 30 that's, participants in a club. That's a lot. That's a legit club. Especially if they're all participating equally. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I know the, the clubs that um, I helped advise when I was a counselor, like, if you had 30 people in it, you were yeah, you had a good totally. club. So Angel describes Mr. Miller <laughs> as, quote, really, really dope. <laughs> Which That's I guess, what I aspire to. Yeah, yeah. same. <laughs> Not one really, but really, really <laughs> dope. Uh, I like that dope is making her comeback. Yes, me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Miller, uh, who sounds like he's super dope, here's some more evidence of that, also sponsors another club at the school called The Leftovers, um, which is a service club that's done work in metropolitan Richmond. Um, they helped sponsor a color run for cancer research um, out towards Powhatan. They also did some work in low-income housing developments around Richmond, which is awesome. Um, when Angel was describing the kind of work that uh, Mr. Miller does and how he helps lead the club, he said she said that um, he lets us steer our own vision, but also he's reasonable. He takes into consideration what we want to do and how to accomplish it. He reminds us that this is deeper than just a club for all of us. So keeping on wow. cool. bringing wow. it back to there's a broader purpose Sounds to what like we're doing. a good doing. teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One might dope. say. <laughs> One has. Uh, She said that he's really able to connect with us. He's open-minded. He takes everyone's opinion seriously. Um, Working with Mr. Miller through the club has helped Angel realize that she wants to continue to be an activist when she gets older. Whenever you get to hear from her this summer, you'll you'll hear that immediately. She's just got that kind of change-the-world kind of attitude about her. Um, When she talks about Mr. Miller, she always also talks about the club, so it's, it's hard for her to... She, she doesn't really partition those two mm-hmm. things out. It's mm-hmm. clear that it, like it's one and the same, right? So she said that uh, without him, a lot of the things that we did this year wouldn't have been possible. Um, she said that at the crux of everything, she just wants to help other students um, at the school feel like they belong, right? Wow. So just like, well, there's, a, there's a place for you here. This is an inclusive club. Um, there's some themes that, that kind of come out from this. I, I was really struck by this concept of her not having him as a teacher, but then still connecting. I think yeah. that that's awesome that mm-hmm. you can, like, you're, even if you don't, if you're not necessarily, quote, unquote, assigned a student, right? Like, if they're not yours, if they're not in your class, it doesn't mean that you can't reach out to them if it's somebody mm-hmm. that you know, like, okay, we could have a shared interest and really build something. Um, and that they, you know, they met through another teacher. They've done really big things ever since. Um, and the second thing is that giving students a place where they belong is really huge, Um Angel lights up when she talks about the club. It's um, It can be hard for students who are a minority in the school to, to feel like they have a place where they fit. So um, anything that we can do in education to help promote a feeling of inclusion, we should definitely pursue it. Yeah. I really, that first point really resonated with me, too. Like, good on that other teacher for making that connection yeah. between the two. Yeah. You know, like when you know it's the right fit, go for it. 
Totally. Yeah. It makes a difference. And it might have been something that was just kind of a passing thought. Sure. Right. I should probably introduce Angel to to Mr. Miller. Yeah. To get them them set up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Cool. Yeah. That should be, that's an awesome story. Talking to them. Yep. And uh, super topical is. Plenty, yes. plenty going on in the world right now that we need to make sure that we're we we belong to each other. So we need to highlight that a little bit more. I think. Um, Amen. Yeah, definitely. Bree, talk to us about Chesterfield. Who do we have from there? So in Chesterfield, we have Paola Henriquez and Danae Haste. Hmm. Um, and this story is coming to you from Elsie Bird High School and Beulah Elementary. And this is really an amazing story and connection. Um, Danae Haste is a fifth grade teacher at Beulah Elementary, and Paola Henriquez just finished 11th grade at Elsie Bird, so she's a rising senior. Mm. Danae has been teaching for 24 years, 14 years at Beulah, and prior to that, she taught at Wells Elementary School for 10 years. Wow, that's awesome. I know, right? Um, So to say that Paola is academically driven is really an understatement. (laughs) She admits that she likes to stay busy, and that that is certainly the case. Um, in addition to participating in various extracurricular activities, like she's played a sport every year in high school, like a different sport. No big deal. Yeah. Pale is an officer in the Key Club, a member of the National Honor Society, wow. has applied to the National Technical Honor Society, and takes dual enrollment classes. Okay. I mean, she's like an insanely Does she have time to change awesome. my oil? That's what I said. I was like, <laughs> when do you sleep? Um, she also attends Chesterfield's Technical Center for their dental assistant program and is entering her second year, which is clinicals. Yeah, so she eventually wants to go to dental school or medical school, something in the medical field, and has a list of potential universities that she's considering for next year. Um, so this story goes back almost seven years, though, <laughs> to when Paola was in Miss Hayes' fifth grade class. When I was speaking to each of them individually, they both spoke so fondly of one another, and it was just really amazing to learn about their story. Uh, When describing Miss Haste, Paola said, her room was very decorated. She was very charismatic. She was an open book. Wow. She always told us stories to help us relate to her lesson plans, and that's something that's really important for students to be able to make it, you know, applicable to their life. Um, And she also described Miss Haste as very humble sharing how, you know, one year she got Teacher of the Year but didn't want to make a big deal about it. And even on her birthday, she says that um, her parents should be the ones that get celebrated. <laughs> Nonetheless, Paola sends her an email every year on her birthday. And Miss Hayes was like, I don't even know how she knew it was my birthday one year, <laughs> yeah. but she does it every year. And she works really hard to keep in touch with her fifth-grade teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just speaks volumes to the, the strength of their relationship. Paola says that when she was in Miss Haste's class, she didn't know her potential yet. And mm-hmm. I think we see that in so many students. They don't mm-hmm. see their potential. But in speaking to Miss Haste, she saw Paola's potential immediately. Mm-hmm. When I asked her to share some things that stand out from when she was her student, Miss Haste's voice got happier, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, I could just hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I could, like, hear her smile. Mm-hmm. Um, she lit up and really just wanted to talk about Paola and what an amazing student she was. She said she was the total package. Rarely do you find a student who is loved by teachers and students, but Paola was. And Ms. Haste added that, you know, she was always the one who would go work with the student nobody else wanted to work with. She didn't even have to ask her. She just did it. That's the kind of student she was, just really incredibly kind. Mm. And, I mean, that's just so sweet. 
Um, so hearing this description, you might wonder how the story could get better, but it really <laughs> wow. does. Okay. Okay. I know. Just wait for it. <laughs> so in that fifth grade classroom, Ms. Haste recognized Paola's potential and recommended her for the Salem Church Middle School Honors Institute, mm -hmm. which is an accelerated learning program, and students can earn high school credits. Okay. And honestly, Paola credits Ms. Haste for changing her entire academic trajectory. Mm. Like, those are basically her words. <laughs> she said that a lot of the other students in the honors program had parents mm. who knew someone to give them a recommendation for the application. She didn't have anybody. Mm -hmm. She had Ms. Haste. Ms. Mm. Um, Haste helped Paola and her parents navigate the application process and really served as an advocate for her. Mm. I mean, she was like, I nominate students every year, but if Paola hadn't gotten in, I was going to go, like, knock the doors down and find <laughs> out why she didn't get in. Like, uh, she felt that strongly oh, about cool. her student. And she says, Ms. Hayes says, you know, she just wants her students to have all the opportunities mm. and that sometimes students just need to know they have someone in their corner. Mm -hmm. And that's so true because Ms. Haste was in Paola's corner. Um, by the time Paola was in high school, she had a big head start. And mm -hmm. she was sitting in classes with sophomores. You know, she's been taking AP classes classes every year since the time she was a freshman. I mean, it's unreal. Yeah. She could have even graduated early, but she really wanted to finish the dental assistant program. Oh and she says, quote, I like to take a challenge and keep going. Mm. And she certainly wow. does. And, you know, what really sticks out to me about this story is the important role that teachers play as advocates for their students, mm. especially for our students and their parents who might not have the networks um, that will share the information about opportunities and resources. Mm -hmm. Teachers really play a crucial role and they have a huge impact on students' lives. And I was thinking back on this, like sometimes you don't even know how big of an impact you've had on students. Mm -hmm. Like you won't know for a couple years or that student might not realize it, but I mean, teachers play a super important role in their students' lives and we have to be their advocates every day. Mm -hmm. Some of these high school kids, what they do in high school, what they accomplish is unreal. They're so ambitious. Yeah. So yeah. it was, wasn't it like three AP classes she had yeah. done by her sophomore year? Yeah. Wow. Something nuts like that. We were yeah. like, wait, repeat that? <laughs> yeah. You took AP what? So three college level classes by the time you were a sophomore in high school. And, you know, Miss Haste would be like, it wasn't me. It was all her. But yeah. Pale yeah, would be like, course. it was all Miss Haste. Yeah. yeah. It's just. Takes two. Yeah. Signs of that coin. I know. It, it shows how important expectations are. I right. think. Totally. So it sounds like with Pale, she, um, she's clearly a strong student. So sure. I think she's got some instincts for it. Um, so she probably would have been at least somewhat academically successful mm -hmm. regardless. Mm -hmm. um, but having somebody kind of activate this whole new, like, higher level of achievement right. mm -hmm. was what seemed to, like, bring her to the point where she is right now to yeah. get so far ahead while you're in middle school that you have a jump start in your right. high school classes yeah. and to believe that you can do something. I think a lot of times students know that something's possible. Like, you'll hear students say, I want to be a doctor or a dentist mm -hmm. or a lawyer and not follow through on it. I think the difference here is that Paola, and largely because of her work with Ms. Haste, believes that it's likely, right? So it's not Absolutely. just that I can do this, but it's that I will do this mm -hmm. because somebody already believed in me in fifth grade. And she's I a know. senior now, and she's still, I know. still in touch. Hanging around. They still keep up. Yeah, she was like, I try to go to visit her at schools, but our hours of, mm -hmm. you know, when I can go visit just get in the way. Right. But she really makes the effort to keep in touch with her teacher, hmm. and that's just so awesome. That's great. Goochland County also has some awesome stories. Brian, yeah. why don't you tell us about who we're, who we're profiling there? This, is, this story is unique. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was blown away. Um, but Samantha Martin recently graduated Goochland High School, class of 2018. And her educator mentor is Elizabeth Coons, mm -hmm. who built an alternative education program 
out in Goochland High School. And so, okay, so Samantha Martin is a proud member of the Goosland High School class of 2018, like I said. <laughs> and she, it was a huge, huge milestone for her, and we'll get into that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mrs. Coons or Miss Coons described her, that graduation as the top moment of her 28 years of teaching. Wow. Oh, my God. So wow. can imagine the path for Samantha towards graduation uh, marked with a lot of trauma. Mm. She lost her grandmother and dad to lung cancer. Oh, my gosh. As well as a close friend to suicide uh. all before finishing her junior year. Obviously, that trauma led to her suffering and intense anxiety arose and led to her grades plummeting. After realizing that her graduation was in peril, she just basically said, okay, I'm going to stop coming to school. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And essentially, she dropped out. Um, this was during her senior year, so she was close to graduating, but then just decided, you know, this is too much and dropped out. Right. Um, Mrs. Coons, like I said, had built an education alternative education program eight years prior, and she actually met Samantha uh, back to school night in her, Samantha's senior year and recognized her mom because Mrs. Coons and Samantha's mom were both part of a widow uh, support group on mm. Facebook. Wow. Which is small world. Wow. Their connection. Um, and so they both, Samantha and Mrs. Coons, kind of shared some grief. And Ms. Coons says, she quotes, she knew uh, what Samantha needed from losing a father, and she was determined um, to help her get through high school, which is pretty, pretty wow. awesome. Yeah. And so that was all before before Samantha's dropout. And afterwards, Ms. Coons was very disappointed in Samantha's decision, <laughs> and that led to her texting Samantha every day. <laughs> 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 asking when she intended to return. Nag, nag much. Oh, gosh. But I guess nothing nothing kind of came up of it, and Samantha had dropped out, and she didn't really uh, feel motivated until all of her peers were graduating, seeing all those mm-hmm. probably Insta and Facebook posts, mm-hmm. cap and gown. She got a little jealous. Um, and on that graduation day, she approached Mrs. Coons and texted her and said, hey, what do I got to do? How can we finish? And can we make this happen? And Mrs. Coons replied, Yes. We'll get it done. Wow. And amazing support. So she set up, since she was the alternative education program um, teacher, they kind of set up how Samantha was going to uh, finish her requirements. She did a mix of in-school and online class mm-hmm. coursework. And Samantha, like I said, graduated just this a <laughs> few weeks ago. So congrats to her. That's awesome. Uh, uh, Ms. Kuhn said, quote, I've been teaching for 28 years, and she's the first student I've ever had to drop out and come back. Uh, and the way that she and I connected was what really made the difference. Man. Wow. Boom. Powerful. <laughs> I almost can't talk about I this. know. And so often that story would have stopped at her dropping out. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. no one would have pursued and I mean, the the rest of it. Totally. And there's probably people that are just like that. You know, they, they, maybe they could have used Mrs. Coons in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to show what a strong student, right. you know, Samantha really is, to right. put her mind to something and follow through on it mm-hmm. when she finally, and it, sometimes it's just timing when you feel prepared to move on in your right. life. It's just the right time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. a really important reminder because I think um, when someone sees somebody drop out of high school, the default might be that you just assume they don't care about their education at all. Totally. Right. And you just ignore all the context of what actually mm-hmm. led to that decision. So somebody doesn't make an instant decision to drop out of high school. There's events 
that precipitate beforehand mm-hmm. that ultimately lead to that. Yep. Um, and I think sometimes as a public educator, you have to be relentless and that you have to refuse to accept <laughs> yep. an outcome That's for right. somebody. And so um, I just, I'm picturing her phone blowing up the day she dropped out. <laughs> yeah. That day that she'd stopped coming to school and mm-hmm. just getting assaulted with text right. by Miss Coons. Like, nah, goes you're not doing it what, quietly. Goes back to what you were saying earlier about relatedness, too. Miss mm-hmm. Coons knew the pain yeah. that she was going through. She could directly relate to that. And I think that tells volumes or speaks volumes. Yeah. Also to know that someone still has that expectation for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm still rooting for you. Mm-hmm. I'm still here for you right. when you're ready. Let's do this. Yeah. That's um, awesome. I think the story also kind of captures the role that serendipity plays a little oh, bit, yeah. too. Seriously. Right? Yes. So her, her mom and Miss Coons meeting each other beforehand and the widow support oh, group yeah. on Facebook is – that's yeah. something. I can't wait for you to talk to them yeah, they're and gonna, to they're gonna hear that story. All right. We're shifting up to Hanover now. Um, Brianna, why don't you tell us about Emily and Cindy? So this story is coming to you from Chickahominy Middle School, and it is the tale of Emily Honeycutt and Cindy Sinanian. Um, So Cindy has been teaching sixth grade English at Chickahominy Middle School, and Emily just finished sixth grade at that school. So um, Emily was in Cindy's class. Cindy is just a rock star human. She had basically a whole life before she started her career as a public school teacher. She grew up in Northern Virginia, moved to Delaware, went to college, worked at an environmental testing lab and at a disaster research center. Oh, my gosh. Doing disaster planning for DEMA, which is Delaware's version of FEMA. Okay. Um, But then knowing that Virginia's public schools were awesome, she moved back so that her children could attend school here. Cindy describes herself as always having been a teacher. She taught while working in the environmental field. And now, besides teaching in the public schools, she also teaches yoga through Parks and Rec. So she just tries to incorporate teaching in, like, every aspect of her life. Uh, She's been teaching for 14 years in Hanover. Um, She taught for three years at Oak Knoll Middle School, then moved on to Chickahominy Middle School and has been there for 11 years. And next year, actually, she's decided to just like amp up the challenge a little bit and she's going to be embarking on a new adventure teaching elementary school at Elmont. Oh boy. I know. She's up for a challenge. She's restless. Yeah. (laughs) She said she wants to experience teaching the younger grades and is excited for a new adventure. So when I asked her why she believes so strongly in teaching because it's clear from her life story that she does, she said, you know, students are wide open. They have a natural curiosity about the world and they're excited about learning and want to know about everything. And this perfectly describes one of her students, Emily, who is one of a few students of color at a predominantly white middle school. Mm-hmm. And Miss um, Sinanian said that every single thing Emily has done this year, she's put 200 percent in mm. and still found a way to pull something related to social justice from it. Oh, wow. She's just been really amazed by her. For one of the class assignments, Emily wrote a speech that really resonated <laughs> with her teacher. And, <laughs> quote, Miss um, Sinanian said, I don't know a better way of saying it, but being woke and the importance of inclusion. <laughs> okay, okay. She was so aware of that uh, dynamic of students and just really impressed me. Um, and Emily says that in Miss Sinanian's class, she really created this um, space where she could feel comfortable expressing herself in that way. Emily not only said that um, her teacher is kind and caring, but she really opens your eyes to what is going on. She's passionate about what she teaches. So she could feel that from her teacher. She could feel that it was a, a space that, you okay know. Okay to be passionate. Exactly, mm. that you could open up. 
So Emily describes how her teacher created this type of environment where students felt safe to share with their peers. She said, what my teachers have done in the past, and she's talking about her other teachers, Mm -hmm. is avoided talking about race, but it makes me feel a little isolated. Mm. Uh, Of course. Miss Sinanian has normalized talking about race and educated us that it is okay for us to talk about it. We should be talking about it. Hmm. She's made me feel more comfortable in the classroom. And that's huge, you know? But Miss Sinanian says, I try to make all of my students feel comfortable. I have been intentional about using various formats to encourage student voice, such as Socratic seminar, biography Mm -hmm. units on diverse individuals, and multicultural novel studies. Mm. You know, she acknowledges how delicate some issues can be and how teachers must know their students. Mm -hmm. She said, sometimes you have to be careful because gifted students often have a strong sense of justice. Hmm. And you have to know how to encourage them in a way that will empower them, but not pressure them. Hmm. And that really resonated with me. I was like, man, to know that balance, right? To know your students and be plugged in like that. So really what I took from this story, I took a lot of things, but the (laughs) overall theme is that it just really highlights the importance of teachers to create spaces for their students to explore Mm -hmm. what could be challenging topics. Mm -hmm. Awkward. Yeah, Yeah, especially as... You know, white teachers in classrooms where the majority of your students are students of color, Mm. it can be tricky or even uncomfortable to open Mm -hmm. up conversations about race. However, when you do it with sensitivity and openness, Mm -hmm. students can really benefit. And for some students, it might be the first time they've ever engaged with topics like race or bias. And public schools are really important sites for learning from Mm -hmm. others. It just really, you know reaffirmed to me that public schools are spaces where teachers can play crucial roles in facilitating conversations with a diverse set of learners. And also, too, as teachers, sometimes we have to recognize that we have work to do when it comes to learning and unpacking Mm -hmm. these ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, Work and responsibility to do that. Yeah. Like, it sounds like Cindy was learning just as much from her students as her students were learning from her. Yeah. Emily's 12, 13. Yeah, she's really... Rising seventh grade. Holy crap. It's amazing. She's already woke. Yeah. <laughs> and Cindy was on our podcast. She's, She's awesome. a rock star, too. Yeah. yeah. Part of her research was really exploring how, as a white teacher, you know, you can connect with your students. And she talked about that being what drove her to do her action research project in her classroom. Yeah. Like, really, you know, what are my students' experiences and how am I going to relate to them mm-hmm. in ways? And that's so powerful. Them to make them feel like they're okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Her research focuses on um, allophilia. Are you guys familiar with that term? Yeah. Yeah? Explain it to me again. <laughs> <laughs> so it means you, you are. You can not. Google it right now. Yeah, um, but it's love of otherness. Mm. So that's like, right. Yeah. So be like not it's just. Beautiful. You said that on the podcast, yeah. right? And yeah, I think. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Moving back into the city here, mm-hmm. Richmond Public Schools. Brian, who do we have? Okay. Um, this one is a little bit personal for me. <laughs> like I said before, I'm just finishing my residency through Richmond Teacher Residency Program. And if you're not familiar with how that works, each resident gets placed in a Richmond Public School for an entire school year. Um, so today was my last day in that school. It's kind oh, of bittersweet. Man. But I was luckily placed at Richmond Community High School, high school up on the north side. It's, I think, described as a magnet school, mm-hmm. um, and I met this pair at that school, mm-hmm. and I kind of vouched for them, um, not only <laughs> as a resident there, but also as a band kid. Um, so <laughs> Tykira Johnson, are better known as TK, TK, and Gregory McCallum, who's the band director at Richmond Community High School and also Fox Elementary School, mm-hmm. and he's been teaching since 1982. 
wow. where he actually wow. started working at the Psychiatric Institute at Virginia Union University. Um, and sometimes he doesn't really consider that those first few years him teaching, but he said it when I talked to him. And he's been an RPS um, since 1993. Wow. So he's... He's been around. That's amazing. Yeah. He's committed. He's a great. He's an awesome dude. Mm-hmm. Um, product of Richmond Public Schools. He's an alumni of Kennedy High School, um, now Armstrong High School, mm-hmm. um, where I believe he was a fantastic clarinetist. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that's the instrument he played in high school. I'll have to double check with him. Um, <laughs> we'll get our fact checkers. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know he plays a variety of instruments now, but I think that's where he started. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the last over the years, I guess, he's produced several outstanding musicians and sent them um, away to keep pursuing education. Um, specifically, Taikira T.K. Johnson. Um, she's been drumming since she was five years old. Mm. And middle school really started to commit to becoming a better musician. And she actually attended, uh, quote, day sessions at Berklee College of Music up in Boston. Wow. Um, starting at age 12. So she would go up for the summer, basically go to music camp. Maybe this is a good time for me to talk about Berkeley College of Music, where it's um, often considered a top five music conservatory in the country, mm. and they're probably one of the only schools that focus on the more modern music industry, yeah. so they're not going up there to play Mozart and Tchaikovsky. Um, they're focusing on more jazz or contemporary mm. music. Um, so Mr. McCallum met um, TK when she was in middle school, eighth grade, and they actually met um, when TK went um, to Chicago with the Richmond Community Band. Mm. And Mr. McCallum was blown away by her drive and determination to become a great drummer. TK had always had in mind to go to Richmond Community. Her two older siblings had already gone, so she already had that vision for herself. And then her relationship with Mr. McCallum really kind of sealed the deal for her. And she quoted as saying, yeah, Mac really sold it to, sold it to her. <laughs> so, I think that's awesome. Through all the years in high school, um, he really focused her drive and determination. That's a big thing for musicians, getting over that hump when you hit a wall. Maybe mm-hmm. you're not getting as much better as you want to. Mm-hmm. And I think Mr. McCallum really pushed her um, to focus her energy on becoming the best she possibly could be. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, Mr. McCallum actually suffered a heart attack and was hospitalized, oh, no. which traumatized TK. And recently was the anniversary of that incident. And I remember at um, morning meeting announcements, TK got up there and Aww. and uh, said her blessings to Mr. McCallum. So their what? relationship is like very, it's like right in what? front of your face. Yeah, oh, they're awesome. Obviously, Mr. McCallum has recovered and since lost a bunch of weight. And I think that relationship maybe had an impact on his recovery, which is, I think, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and TK's quote in the graduation program was dedicated to Mr. McCallum, said, quote, her favorite teacher and her father in music. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. <laughs> TK, ah. stop. <laughs> She's a huge personality. Wow. Um, I taught mostly sophomores this year. TK is a senior. And she was probably the senior I got to know the most. Yeah. Um, like I said, didn't teach her, but I knew her for sure, and she knew me. So she was always an awesome person to, to see in the hallways. I, I pulled out a few themes here. It says relationship and trust is definitely vital to mm-hmm. student success. Um, I think because TK knew that Mac had her end goals in mind, she really trusted him, made herself vulnerable to yeah. feedback. Um, and then 
any good student teacher relationship can heal more than mental wounds or maybe yeah. some physical wounds yes. too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited for that conversation. Yeah. Is arts education important? I'm just throwing that <laughs> Absolutely, out there. Absolutely, yes. My goodness. Like I said before, this is no small achievement. Berkeley College of Music is actually where TK is <laughs> attending in the fall. Oh, wow. Um, top, top uh, music conservatory in the country. Um, that's no small feat to, to get accepted there. This is not Mr. McCallum's first student to go up there, too. So wow. definitely good things happening. And, you know, small music program at Merton Community, but definitely important to developing mm-hmm. overall character and determination and just overall good citizenry, yeah. you know, yeah, being, good, being a good person. Wow. When mm-hmm. our arts and humanities are typically the first things on the chopping sure. block, exactly. right? And sure. To remember that these relationships and these outlets are so important for our young people. Mm-hmm. I'm glad yeah. he's healthy now. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Doing, he's doing, well, doing really well. So teaching since 1982 yeah. and in Richmond since 1993, mm-hmm. our, our next study is about teacher retention and what makes mm-hmm. teachers stay, particularly in high-need schools. So I have a feeling this won't be the last time we talk to Mr. <laughs> yeah. Mr. McCallum. What strikes me about this is he, I mean, he's this far into his career to still, like, to connect that much with a student is Mm -hmm. something awesome, I think. Um, And maybe we can get her to play something. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time we had original music or live music. Maybe both of them play something. Oh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Make it happen, Brian. (laughs) Counting on you, man. Um, All right, we have one more. Um, out of Henrico County that I'm bringing to you, certainly last but not least. I've got Queen Bailey, which is a great name, Mm -hmm. and Cameron Smith, Cameron with a K. Um, They're at Douglas Freeman High School. So Queen Bailey is uh, an assistant principal at Douglas Freeman, uh, which is in Henrico County Public Schools, and Cameron Smith just finished her sophomore year Mm -hmm. at Freeman. So going into junior year, uh, so Queen has been working in education since uh, 2000, so she's been at this for 18 years, so another long-timer. Yes. She started by teaching third grade, then she taught eighth grade. Uh, then she went to Virginia Union to serve as the assistant athletic director, oh. and then she was like, i got to get back into public education. <laughs> and so she came back into public ed to be an eighth grade civics teacher at John Rolfe Middle School, which is also in Henrico, and then an assistant principal at Douglas Freeman Cameron lived in Texas, I think it was Austin area, uh, until her family moved to Virginia. Her sister was um, going to to college up here um, when she was in the seventh grade. So that's a tricky time to move, Mm -hmm. right? Totally is. Middle school's hard and weird anyway. And so moving in the middle of that, like leaving your friends and coming back up, that's a challenge. She uh, she attended Tuckahoe Middle School whenever she came up here. Um, So Ms. Bailey and Cameron met when she was in the ninth grade. and Ms. Bailey was the ninth grade assistant principal in the school. So that was part of her case. I was working with a freshman. Because Ms. Bailey's an AP, why do you think her and Cameron met? Discipline. Probably discipline. discipline. Mm. Yeah. So Cameron got in trouble in class. Uh, I think she was listening to her music too loud. The teacher asked her not to do that. <laughs> um, and it, it, she didn't respond maybe the way that she would now. Mm. Um, so Ms. Bailey indicated that Cameron was having some, quote, normal ninth grade struggles. We were all freshmen at one point. <laughs> um, but that there were some other underlying issues that she was experiencing that she was dealing with outside of school and that she really needed somebody constant in her life and that she recognized that. Um, Cameron said that the transition to high school was pretty challenging for her. 
it's hard to focus because she said, quote, my mind was not here at school with me all mm-hmm. the time. And so I think that that's true of a lot of our students. Oh, like yeah. they've got so much going on outside of school that um, if they're not focusing in class, it might be symptomatic of some other things that are happening outside of school. Mm-hmm. Um, so Miss Bailey, in that first meeting, right at the onset, even though it was a disciplinary meeting, said um, that she wasn't there to, to grade or judge Cameron, but to help guide her. Um, and even though that she had to give her consequence for getting in trouble in class, that she still cared about their relationship and mm-hmm. that she wanted to make sure that they maintained it and that she wanted to get to know her better. Yeah. Um, Cameron remembers how in that first meeting, so she still thinks about it. Um, although she did get a consequence from Miss Bailey, um, she didn't feel like she was being, quote, mean, right? She <laughs> said, um, there's a quote, it was just very easy to talk to her about everything. I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it actually was. And I think that whenever you're in that moment where you're in the principal's office, Mm -hmm. things escalate really quickly and you feel like you're in a tense situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So to have that diffused by having an educator who cared so much about starting from a relationship point um, is huge. So Ms. Bailey said, quote, I'm going to give you respect. Everyone deserves respect. She believes that we don't always start from a place of showing students respect in schools. And so she makes sure to start there to always get their perspective on things. Um, she believes that it's her job as an administrator to help coach Cameron and other students about a better way to handle a situation that they're going to encounter in classes rather than just giving out consequences, right? Um, they still talk and they still meet regularly. They have really, you could tell that they're really connected at this point. So I, I had a chance to talk to them both at the same time and it was just, um, it was just neat to hear them kind of like play off of mm-hmm. each other. They clearly really care about each other. Um, it reminds me a lot of our, we have our Achieving Racial Equity in School Disciplinary mm-hmm. Policies and Practices mm-hmm. study that is going to be wrapping up in the fall. Um, and just some of the themes that come out of that one, too, about um, starting from a place of respect that um, discipline is an intervention rather than just a consequence for things, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, like, yes. if you're, it's kind of like we were talking about before that in public education, a lot of times you're dealing with people at their most, like, vulnerable and intimate moments. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody that's acting out in class, it could be symptomatic of some other stuff that's going on. Um, being angry is just a symptom of being hurt, I think. So a lot of times there's just some other stuff going on. So it's clear that um, Ms. Bailey recognizes that and really wants to make sure that she starts from that place for their students. So it's just the importance of building relationships in student service and um, school discipline. Um, and that it's important to still have structure and high expectations, but still focus on more than just consequences for mm-hmm. negative behavior. So I think it's easy to think in some of these alternative discipline models that um, we're being more lenient with students, mm-hmm. right? So if you're doing things like restorative practices, <laughs> PBIS, trauma-informed care, it could be perceived as like, oh, you're not giving a consequence for negative behavior. You could still have structure within those models, mm-hmm. right? You could still have expectations for how students should behave in a school setting, but still recognize that there's context that contributes to it. So they'll have uh. a lot to say. Shameless plug. Do Not it. Getting, no, no, no. Oh, I did. You yeah. did it. <laughs> Not getting away with that. <laughs> this entire podcast is a shameless That's plug. That's true. <laughs> all things work. As it should be. You yeah. Do awesome work. I mean, that story highlights to me the importance or how much of an impact a really strong administrator can have, too. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a connection. Especially as an AP. That's a lot of pressure to issue that, that consequence and get them back to class or whatever, but to be able to help a student work through potentially, you know, future issues or mm-hmm. whatnot. That's really, really powerful. 
it's going to be hard to maintain that balance, I imagine, because I've yes. never been an assistant principal, but I've worked mm-hmm. with a lot of them of being in a position where you have to deliver bad news a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to students, but still being really relationship focused. Right. And I'm, um, Cameron is clearly awesome, and I'm really looking forward to sharing her story, but I'm also really looking forward to sharing just what the experience of an assistant principal is like, because yes. those jobs, like, I've shadowed some assistant principals for other studies that we've done, and you can't keep up. They're right. everywhere in the school. And they are accountable to students and helping them out. They're accountable to teachers. Mm-hmm. They do classroom observations all the time. They mm-hmm. help out with curricular things. They're talking mm-hmm. to parents on the phone. It takes a, a very unique personality to be able to do that job well. And it's Miss um, Bailey's clearly a rock star. And I'm really excited to, to talk to her. Yeah. I mean, to do all those things and to be able to find time to build relationships with students. Yeah. Like, when does she find time in the day? That'll pretty, be really awesome to hear about. Pretty special. All of these stories... I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. Talking through them today. Good mix of people. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And we have a lot of a lot of high school kids, teachers, assistant principals, folks working in alternative education. Mm-hmm. We've got people from woke all sixth graders. Yes. <laughs> woke sixth graders. Someone really, really, really dope. Really dope. Her. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna learn lots of new words yeah, this summer. Exactly. Um, okay, so here's what to expect next. We're gonna have episodes released. Throughout the summer, probably about every two weeks leading up to our conference. So it'll be the summer and the fall. Um, speaking of our conference, we're really excited about this. The 15th Annual Merck Conference, it's going to be on Friday, October 19th, 2018, at the Academic Learning Commons at Virginia Commonwealth University. It's a great facility. Our theme this year is in line with this podcast. It's Connections Across Education, Advancing Public Schools Through Research and Relationships, Um, Attendees will get to meet the participants in this podcast series, which we're really excited about. Mm -hmm. They're going to be featured in a QA and a presentation and discussion session during the conference. Um, We're also going to have presentations from our Achieving Racial Equity in School Discipline and Professional Development for Success in Culturally Diverse School Study Teams, um, interactive poster session with teacher researchers from Cultural Diversity Study, uh, presentations of awesome research being conducted from practitioners and leaders across our school divisions and much, much more. Uh, today, um, you can submit a proposal and register to attend by visiting our website at merck.soe.vcu.edu slash conference. That's merc.soe.vcu.edu slash conference. There's another plug for you, Brian. Uh, this event, it brings together hundreds of stakeholders from educational research, policy, and practice. We want you there. Spread the word of this to, to friends and colleagues. We want you there. Um, finally, we really want to hear from you. Um, so as we discussed today, we all have a teacher or other educator who made a big impact on our lives. We have a story recorder set up right now on our website that's ready to capture your story for you to be able to share that story that we can feature in a later episode of this podcast the URL to actually get there is super long. <laughs> so we made a tiny one for you. Go to tinyurl.com uh, slash Merck Stories. So that's T-I-N-Y-U-R-L.com slash M-E-R-C Stories. Uh, you could hear your voice on this podcast. How cool. Super cool. So cool, Brian. <laughs> um, if you're on this email, if you are already on our email list and follow us on social media, you already all know about all these cool things that Merck's mm-hmm. doing. You could sign up for our email list on our website um, homepage and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Richmond Merck there. Um, our thanks, as always, to the VCU School of Education for supporting the work that we Woo-hoo. do at Merck. To Jesse Seneschal for his fearless direction. Woo-hoo. To Kyle Yoga Muffin Rudd. Don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> for our super cool theme music to the wonderful and talented Tracy Naff. It's my wife. Yes. For our logo design and yes, to all of yes. our partnering school divisions. 
my thanks today to Brianna Nomi and Brian Condit for being here today and for helping to share the stories of these tremendous students and educators throughout the summer and fall. Uh, Stay tuned for those episodes coming your way soon. And of course, thanks to all the teachers, researchers, students, parents, school leaders, policymakers, and other stakeholders in public education, including you for joining our conversation today. We hope that we never forget that relationships are the foundation of public education. Uh, My name is David Knapp. This has been another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in public education. Let's talk again soon. Recording this? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. All of your singing. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing about Brian should be the intro to our Mert podcast. Yep. I agree. Yep. <laughs>